This is Clutch Fans. And by the way, shout out to the Clutch fans. You're listening to the Clutch Fans Podcast, an open conversation for Houston Rockets diehards. Houston Rockets is unbeatable. I'm ready to get on Clutch Fans. Now, here's your host, the man who would have drafted Harold Miner over Robert Ory, Dave Hardesty. Welcome into the podcast. It is the post-draft podcast. I am here again with David Wiener, Bima Thug. Uh, you know him on Twitter and on the board as Bima Thug. David, uh, it's a pleasure to have you on as always, man. But uh, this was, you know, comparing this draft to last year's draft, I mean, I am just so much happier this year. I mean, considering that this team went into the draft with just the 46th pick, my expectations were extremely low. Um, but I'm thrilled, absolutely thrilled with what they came away with at 46. And they got a couple of extra pickups that are exciting as well. Yeah, Dave, I, I can't tell you how um, excited I was to come over with the, the haul that the Rockets got. Uh, of course, everything's relative. It's not like we had the number one pick in the draft or anything. But for a team going in with only the 46th pick, and uh, a question of whether the Rockets would be willing to spend any cash to buy another pick, and then whether you could get a decent undrafted player with a, on a two-way contract. I'm, I'm, I'm pretty excited with what they came away with. And you know what that is for those who you know maybe don't quite know or, or weren't following it as much. They came away with 46 pick with DeAnthony Melton, guard out of USC, a guy we talked about that we were high on. I think um, really. Overall, David, we talked about how defense was, I think, going to be a little bit more important than shooting. I mean, they're both critical factors, but I think defense is really where this this team can make uh, strides. And you might, you might have a chance to get into that rotation with the Rockets. And I think big picture overall with the three main guys that came away with us in the draft, that's what they got. And D'Anthony Melton, uh, they got a guy who could have been, certainly should have been a first-round pick, I think, by a lot of standards this year. Uh, and if it hadn't been for you know sitting out his sophomore season, he might have been a late lottery pick by some measures. I mean, he's a six foot three guard with a six foot eight plus wingspan, a guy who's very energetic, very fast, uh, plays up and down, a decent ball handler, uh, playmaker, but not great in that regard. But just a very good uh, defensive playmaker who kind of compares to a, a Patrick Beverly or maybe an Avery Bradley. I think that's been some of the, the best comps, but maybe it has a, has a better wingspan than both of those guys. Just in, in listening to him talk and his, the people talking about his sort of his instincts and IQ, I'm really thrilled with that pick. And it, they added uh, the 52nd pick, which they acquired from Utah, uh, which was Vince Edwards out of Purdue. Forward wing really plays a three and a four who is a very good shooter, shot over 40% from, from three uh, the last three seasons of college. And I think as well, a, a decent defender, not great, but a guy who is comes from a system that switches a lot uh, and adds, uh, you know, he could certainly, he's familiar with the system that the Rockets run. And then they picked up Gary Clark uh, after the draft, undrafted, who was, uh, you know, out of Cincinnati, one of the best defenses in college. 
Um, a guy who was a two-time AAC Defensive Player of the Year, very versatile, by all measures has great defensive instincts. Doesn't quite have like the the wingspan. I think he's like six ten wingspan, solid, um, but not like you know an elite Draymond Green type of uh, forward. But I think he's a guy who could p- potentially make a rotation based on his defensive play. Yeah, I mean it really was a great great haul, and uh, I think you do a good job kind of describing the the three players that came away with and you know on Melton first um I'm with you you know I, I think you were kind of prescient on the last podcast the way you talked about Melton being an ideal fit um but someone that that we didn't feel at the time we that the Rockets could realistically get at 46 I mean most mock drafts had him projected uh, as high as the late teens uh, and I, I I do go back to one comment that Daryl Morey had in his uh, press conference on uh, after the draft was that uh, because of the FBI investigation and uh, Melton was uh, d- didn't play this past year for USC, so there was a kind of out of sight, out of mind element to this. He was a little bit rusty in some of the the combine and some of the war pre-draft workouts um, that really caused him to slip, but. Had he played at USC, you know, Daryl mentioned that he he viewed Melton as a as a top 20 pick in the draft, and you know I think the Rockets are certainly hoping for that. I'm fairly optimistic about um, that type of potential, uh, but yeah, he's you know we talked about uh, Javon Carter uh, being a Patrick Beverly type, but maybe not having the athleticism or the length. Melton kind of gives you that element with the athleticism and with the length. Um, I really do think the Patrick Beverly comparisons are, are apt. Um, he's just turned 20 years old, so you got a, a young prospect here with a, with a lot of potential, and I'm I'm really excited about him. I, I think I'm more excited about Melton. Re, I'm, we're talking relative to draft position. I think I'm the most excited about him since I think since they drafted Sam Decker three years ago. You know, again the the feeling of right upon being drafted when they got Decker at 18. I thought that was a, a lottery talent. And I think Melton might be the best prospect they've gotten since him. It's interesting, right? Cause we're talking about the 46 pick, the 52nd pick and an undrafted free agent, but yet you can see, I think the, the, the odds of, you know, all these guys or, or, or even one of them hitting, you know, uh, becoming a very good rotation player are a little bit lower but you could see a path for all three of these guys um, that they that they've added. I th- you could see how they could pan out, and I think some of these guys have elite skill sets at what they do. I mean, I think uh, Edwards is an outstanding shooter. Uh, Clark is a very good defensive player. Uh, those two guys are a little bit older, and Melton is just 20 years old, has a, a really enormous potential. Um, and I think there's times last year where I thought, man, I, the Rockets could really use a Marcus Smart type of defensive energy guy um, coming off the bench, especially at the guard position. And, um, you know, I think they they have that potential in Melton. I think it's his shot that's really going to cause a problem. He's going to have to show that he's developed it over the last year. But I think that's a guy who, by the end of the year, could potentially make uh, the rotation. Again, that's putting a lot of pressure on him, but uh, I I could see that kind of potential in him. Yeah, they're going to give him – all the shots he can handle uh, in, with the Vipers uh, next season, I think. And um, if that shot comes around, I agree. I think this is a guy who, you know, we're not talking about a 25-minute-per-game player as a rookie, but, 
you know, if he can show that he that you have to actually guard him on the perimeter, uh, this could be a guy that could could fill those spot minutes when you, you, when you might see Harden or Eric Gordon running on fumes. Uh, when you want to kind of fill those extra guard minutes with someone you can throw out there and give you competent um, defensive play. So um, I really like that. And even if he does nothing this year, you know, he's 20 years old. If you got him for two, maybe three years, depending on how they, they handle his contract, um, you know, you, you have a nice prospect there. And, and yeah, you're right. The, the shot is definitely a weakness. Uh, if he had a really solid shot, he probably would have been picked in a lottery. Um, it, he could totally be a bust. But the the upside is just so great here, and to get a guy like that with a 46 pick is is phenomenal. Um, and I think you know again, uh, Daryl Moore mentioned this in his press conference that you know as the the draft was unfolding, it looked like they were targeting uh, Vince Edwards with the 46 pick and were ready to take him. But lo and behold, Melton, who they had really high on their draft boards, uh, you know, spectacularly flipped all the way down to 46. They couldn't pass that up. Uh, took him there. And, uh, you know, thanks to Tillman Fertitta for spending the, the, the cash. They spent $1.5 million to buy the 52nd pick from Utah. And they ended up getting the, albeit lower on their draft board, the guy they wanted at 46. They got Vince Edwards at, at 52. And, uh, you know, it's another guy who, you know, like you said, he's kind of a versatile player. Uh, he might be kind of a jack-of-all-trades, master-of-none type of thing, but a guy who could definitely shoot the ball. I think he's going to do very well with the Vipers um, to the extent he's down there. and He might be a guy who could contribute to the Rockets this season just as a four-year college player. And as we know, the last time the Rockets drafted a four-year player out of Purdue, it turned out pretty well with uh, Paul Landry. <laughs> um, and then, uh, another thing we touched on in the, pod, in the pre-draft pod, podcast was you know, I had expressed some apprehension about um, the Rockets being able to duplicate what they at least attempted to do last uh, last season with Cam Oliver, uh, who after the 2017 draft, Cam Oliver was one of the top undrafted players. Um, they tried to sign him, and in order to do that, they had to give him a large guarantee. Uh, he got injured in training camp. He didn't make the roster. They had to cut him. But because his guarantee was so high, he was ineligible under the new CBA if you if you make more than a fifty thousand dollar signing bonus or if you have your guarantee on your contract is more than fifty thousand you are ineligible to play for the team's G League affiliate. So not only did the Rockets get Gary Clark, who was clearly one of the top undrafted players, get him to agree to join the club, but they got him on a two way contract, which is fantastic. It gives the Rockets a lot of flexibility. He will not count against the cap. Um, the downside is he can only get up to 45 days um, on the Rockets during the season and wouldn't be eligible for the playoffs unless he was converted to a standard contract. But um, with, a, with a rookie, you're, you're looking at just you want the best talent available. You develop him and see what happens. And Clark's a very talented, accomplished college player. Um, very good defender can can defend on the post. I think, like yeah. you said, he fits with the switching style, and uh, you know, throw those guys out with Rio Grande Valley and and you know, see how they blossom. Yeah, it's interesting. I mean, all these guys can fit on the switching style, and I think 
uh, it's, you know, Daryl Morey always goes best player available, but I mean, you could see needs being met here as well, which is kind of, kind of interesting. Maybe he focuses more on that, on the undrafted free agents or the, the late second round picks. Maybe that's easier, uh, in, in that way. Uh, you know, yeah, I, like I said, I think this is probably going to be the, the, the best summer league for Rockets fans to watch since 2012 when you had, you know, just this great crop of rookies or, or young guys and Demo and Royce White and Jeremy Lamb and Terrence Jones. And that was probably the, the funnest, most exciting summer league, uh, you know, for Rockets fans in, in a long time. But I think, uh, you know, now we, we have at least something a little bit more interesting to watch. Uh, I have to ask you, you know, Tillman gets a lot of credit for spending, which I believe the number you reported was $1.5 million for, for that uh, 50 second pick to get Edwards at the same time doesn't it sort of save him money you mentioned about how second round picks are the cheapest options you can get as far as deals did that not save him he spent the 1.5 million but does it, is it save him to get a guy that you know picks up a second round pick that might be the, one of the cheapest contracts he can get um it, it might the, the the i sort of the ironic thing is the higher the payroll the more it'll save him um so if uh, if you, you drop a, a second round pick and sign him to the rookie minimum, um, obviously you pay him the rookie minimum salary, which next year should be about eight hundred and thirty thousand, um, and they only count eight hundred and thirty thousand for luxury tax purposes. But if you were to draft a, or if you were to sign an undrafted free agent to the rookie minimum, then you would pay them the same eight hundred and thirty thousand, but for luxury tax purposes, they would count at the two-year veteran minimum, which is going to be 1.5 million. So you're talking about um, you know a $670,000 difference on uh, luxury tax calculation. So the, where the Rockets expect to be in luxury tax territory with the escalating percentage, they're going to be paying multiple hundreds percent on salary. You're right, Dave. The, uh, the 1.5 million they spent, they very well may save just on that incremental savings on on Vincent Edwards. Interesting, because uh, to me, I was wondering about that. I mean, I thought it was a, a steal of a deal to get it for that cheap. You know, the, the second round pick. You bring that up, but you know, to touch on that exact point, because I know other teams buying early second round picks is kind of a sore subject for you, Dave. <laughs> Um, given the whole Jordan Bell fiasco <laughs> with the Golden State, no. I, and I think the league, the league, uh, there was a market correction this year. Um, early second round picks were no longer going for straight cash. There were, I think, two or three uh, second round picks that were uh, acquired via trade. I think in the top ten or twelve, and those, it wasn't straight cash. It actually, in multiple occasions. Was it required multiple future second round picks to get a pick? I think um, uh, Sacramento traded the 37th pick to Portland for two future second round picks. Uh, there was another uh, early second round pick that went for two second round picks. Um, uh, the I think uh, the 41st pick went for the 43rd pick plus cash. Uh, so. There, I think the Rockets may have been the only team, maybe one other team, that actually was able to buy a pick for straight up cash. And you know, it was fifty. It was the fifty second pick. This isn't this isn't the thirty eighth pick. There's a big difference between thirty eight and fifty two. But for the Rockets to get a guy that, you know, if they were if they were hoping Vince Edwards would follow them at forty six, you'd have to think they had him 
rated as an early second round pick. So they got the guy they had rated as an early second round pick with a late second round pick that they were able to buy for only 1.5 million, which given the relativity to the, to the market for second round picks was a, was, was quite a bargain for the team. You know, I want to talk to you a little bit about some of, uh, you know, obviously we're entering in the off season now. We're, we're about to get into that. Uh, well, there's only really a handful of days left into that LeBron period before he decides whether he's going to become a free agent or opts into his, his deal. And that's that's going to be a key element, I think, here to find out. I, I, I think you and I both are in agreement that it doesn't look likely at all that uh, LeBron's coming to Houston. I think, you know, there's there's still a, a little bit of hope, but I think there, there's enough uh, pessimism right now about that happening that it just doesn't look like uh, it's going to happen. Yeah, I agree. I mean, I, I think, you know, both of, both of us, I think, were early adopters of realizing that there was a path to LeBron. And, uh, you know, to, to the Rockets fans' credit, I think that path, quickly gain traction, people realizing it's not uh, an impossibility, that it was a valid possibility. And hopefully, though, that has not sprung in every Rocket fan an expectation. I think there is always, with this, with this possible path towards LeBron, there was, it always needed to be painted within the context that it was very unlikely. No matter what, it was extremely unlikely to happen, but it was at least possible. And I'm with you, Dave. I think, especially over the last week or so, um, I'm getting more and more of the sense, not without without any inside information whatsoever. I, I'm just emotionally preparing myself. I just I don't see it happening. Um, it, it was always unlikely, and now I'm I'm kind of already mentally preparing myself that it, that I I don't see it happening at all. It's it's just, there are too many dominoes that we need to fall. Too many parties that we need to cooperate beyond just LeBron saying, I want to go to Houston. Um, and I, yeah, it's just, it, it, I just don't see it happening. One thing I think that uh, I talked about this a little bit on the board, maybe a couple weeks ago or a week or so ago is that it just, Houston doesn't fit a LeBron free agent uh, decision. I mean, based on his past two, he's always gone to a team that has sort of uh, that was set to make a big jump, and he orchestrated sort of moves beforehand to to aid in that cause. I mean, I think you know getting Chris Bosh to, to to go to Miami was big. I mean, those three formed the super team uh, over there with the Heat, and we went back to Cleveland. I think he, I think they knew they were poised to make a trade, uh, trading Andrew Wiggins. Uh, they obviously aiming for love, and they did end up getting Kevin Love. I think. He made that decision, kept it under wraps, and announced his decision. In Houston, for it to happen in Houston, it's based on the ownership in Cleveland saying, "Yes, we'll do this. We'll make this work." He needed to have, you know, the leverage to go somewhere else, walk for nothing. Uh, and I think that there's just too many. Uh, it just doesn't fit, in my opinion, as far as him not having that control. We'll see. He may he may prove me wrong, but it's just I think he's going to want to make his decision, have everybody wait on it, uh, and we'll see. But I do want to talk to you about uh, the draft, or afterwards, Daryl Morey talked about a trade that was close. You know, I asked him about, you know, if there were any movement up or down in the draft. He said, no, they were never really close on that. But he did say there was a trade that we had discussed, you know, that had been kicked around, or he didn't really say it was close, but just it sounded like it was – you know, more serious than, than other uh, things that are thrown out there. And, set, and then basically 
hinted that they would have gotten very important draft picks in the deal, um, but nobody would have talked about that because obviously somebody that the Rockets would have sent out in the trade would have been what was discussed. That was interesting to me because, you know, as we went down and I wrote about this on, on the site, the Rockets don't really have any assets that are going to net, net them important draft picks, plural. Um, and I have to look, we, you know, we obviously we're, we're focusing in on Eric Gordon, but I have to look at the trade that did go down, that being Phoenix traded that uh, 16th pick and their future 2021 pick from Miami to Philadelphia at 10. Uh, and, th- and that's... Uh, the trade that was actually made, you have to wonder if that's maybe the type of pick that was being discussed. I mean, Eric Gordon there, I don't know if Phoenix would have necessarily interest in him, um, but maybe that Miami pick was something that was being thrown around. Again, that's pure speculation on my part, but I do think it's safe to say the Rockets were gauging Eric Gordon's trade value on draft night. And and I think that makes sense. Um, You know, again, you know, I I just think it's a a very well-educated guess, Dave, but I agree with you that that, that that seems the most likely candidate. And, and it, it would probably fit with a team that was trying to maneuver either to uh, to maximize its allocation of assets, either from a luxury stand, luxury tax standpoint for next year or towards the greater goal of pulling off a LeBron trade. The Rockets have been known to try to hammer down one trade and then once they have that nailed down, trying to expand it into a larger trade. Um, and if they were able to get important draft picks for Eric Gordon, then that's the kind of thing you could use towards uh, LeBron type of trade, uh, where either if you you can use those picks to help a team to help a team swallow Ryan Anderson's contract, uh, if it's going to help you uh, entice Cleveland to give up a LeBron. I'm this I'm just using this as an example because I just don't think that's likely, but. Um, those types of deals, it greases the skids for future trades or to dump Anderson's contract um, with the hope of possibly replacing 85 to 90% of Gordon's value via, you know, the, the MLE over the offseason or something like that. But um, that, that seems like it would be a prudent avenue to at least explore. Um, personally, I'm kind of glad it didn't happen. I, I really like Eric Gordon. Love Eric Gordon. They're not gonna get, yeah, they're not going to get LeBron James. Um, as the the end goal towards a series of moves that involve dealing Eric Gordon, then I'm I'm glad they're holding on to him at least for now. I, I gotta say I don't know how you replace Eric Gordon. I mean he's he's certainly solid defensively, maybe uh, underrated there. I think there were games where he was not very good. I'll say that, but I think he's just a guy who fits this system very well. Uh, not shy about launching the shot at all. That's a key factor. We see how uh, somebody who's shy, you know, hint, hint, Ryan Anderson uh, fits in here. I, you know, I, I don't know. Like I said, I'm trying to think about what the Rockets could be thinking in doing that. I, you know, I thought, okay, playing this speculation out, if they're able to get a couple picks for Gordon uh, and move that salary, do they then, you know, flip for Bazemore? Can Kent Bazemore be your super sub? You know, I, I don't know. Can can he be a guy who comes in and just makes you know, some defensive plays and launches shots, which is Eric Gordon's role? Um, I don't know. But they'd have to fill that role somehow, some way. Again, also, if they're adding significant picks like they were apparently kicking around at that time, are they going to sit and wait for another guy to come on the market? You know, a guy like Jimmy Butler, who has been, you know, 
something that we've kicked around for a while. Uh, somebody's going to come on the market between now and February. I mean, it happens every year. Um, but I don't know if they're, you know, the Rockets in the position that they are are going to want to lose a key piece like Eric Gordon and then wait and see. Uh, that, that's, I think, really tough to do. But anyway, to me, it's just fascinating that that's what they're thinking. There's no way this team's going to pay the kind of luxury taxes that we're talking about unless, you know, they were adding a LeBron, a Paul George, somebody super significant. That's my just opinion. So they'd have to replace that in some other way because I think they're going to move Ryan Anderson this summer, period. Uh, and it may cost Eric Gordon his uh, his spot here in Houston. Possibly. I, I'm, I'm not I'm not going to go all the way there with you on Anderson as we – as we touched briefly on the last podcast, um, I still think there's the possibility they go into the season with Anderson um, with a goal possibly to move him by the trade deadline. Because, again, for luxury tax purposes, it's as if he was never here if he's not on the team on the last day of the regular season, if he's been traded by then. Um, and if if the, the hang-up on teams wanting to take Anderson – is that he's got too much money left on his deal. Every day that goes by after the start of next regular season, he's owed less and less money on that contract and becomes incrementally more tradable. Um, so I think they could go into the season with Anderson. I think I agree with you that that's definitely going to be a goal is to see how they could possibly unload that contract um, and, and not kill themselves either on the quarter off. Um, but they, they could go into the season and, and see if they can uh, – you know, mitigate the damage on what it costs to, to, to dump that contract. Yeah. And also, a brief aside, as disappointing as Ryan Anderson's playoffs were, and like you said, very tentative shooting the three, part of me is hopeful that a lot of that was coming off an injury, not being confident, coming back from the injury, and a horrible, horrible individual matchup against the Warriors because – Guess what? If you're not a very good defender, you're going to look stupid guarding Steph Curry. Even if he was a better defender, he probably still looks stupid because they were going to isolate him. Um, and I'm hopeful that that if, if they go in the next season with Ryan Anderson, that he's going to be the version of himself uh, possibly towards the end of the regular season when he was really hitting the shot, um, shooting with confidence, and was a legitimate good rotation player on the best team in the NBA. Yeah, I will say the Rockets aren't going to, unless it was a LeBron or Paul George, they're not going to do that trade future, you know, multiple picks out of their own stockpile. I, they're not going to do 2019, 2021 just to unload Anderson. I, I I, don't see that happening. I agree. I do think his slump happened, you know, started before the injury, the, the, the most recent injury, uh, you know, going into the playoffs. But uh, I agree. Earlier in the year, he was pretty good. I mean, he was—he started more games, I believe, than PJ Tucker did this year, and the Rockets were very successful. Uh, I don't know how it, it, it happened. We've kicked it around, whether it's a mental issue or what. But something clearly happened with him. Uh, not thrilled with it, but that's—it is what it is. I want to ask you about Carmelo Anthony. Obviously, he's—he has uh, been reported that he's going to opt into his deal. He's got almost $28 million on that contract for one year. Do you think it makes sense for for the OKC to buy him out, or do you think, given their situation, they have a lot of luxury tax uh, issues? It looks like they will anyway. Certainly with uh, Paul George, it's being reported that it's looking possible, strong, you know, almost likely that he's going to go back to OKC. Do you think they'll buy him out, or do you think that they it makes more sense to try to flip him for somebody who's a you know maybe a couple of years on a contract? 
Um, that's a great question, David. Um, a lot may depend on Carmelo and how much he'd be willing to leave on the table in a buyout. If he's if he takes a hard line stance that he's not going to leave any money on the table and they're just going to have to cut him and deal with the consequence, then they you know who knows they may try to to deal him to another team for less salary something like that in order to to, to stop the pain. Because like you said, yeah, the Oklahoma State Thunder face similar luxury tax hell that the Rockets do and they don't have as good a team as the Rockets so it becomes a little less justifiable for Clay Bennett to pay this taxes than for Toma Fertitta to and um, like you said with uh, Paul George it's now seeming more and more likely that Paul George will be back with Oklahoma City on a new max contract that's going to pay him uh, 10 million more than he made for them last year uh, and with all the free agents that they have um, they're going to be feeling the pinch um, so if Carmelo says he'll leave X dollars on the table, they can cut him, save a little bit of money, because every dollar he leaves on the table, that's 3 or $4 potentially in luxury tax they're saving. Um, and it also might help them re-sign their own free agents like Jeremy Grant, who quite honestly is probably going to help them more next year than Carmelo would. Uh, and if Carmelo's buyout's going to help them re-sign Jeremy Grant, well, then it's something they ought to be exploring seriously. So uh, I think it's a possibility. It's just are both sides going to play ball. And if he gets bought out, don't you have to think to yourself it's kind of likely he comes to Houston? I mean, with Chris Paul here, uh, it just seems like they would be hard for the Rockets to say no to that. It almost reminds me a little bit of like a Josh Smith signing when the when the Pistons bought him out. Uh, I would think that they would bring him in. And, and what better thing could you do to sort of flip the finger at Russell Westbrook than to bring in Carmelo Anthony and have him succeed alongside uh, Harden and, and Chris Paul. I think that would, <laughs> I think that would be great because obviously uh, Carmelo has been sort of blamed for uh, you know OKC's failures, but uh, I think I think they'd have to look at that as a likely option if they get bought out that, that Houston brings him in. Uh, if that were to happen, and for the for the league minimum, that would be a Absolutely. My biggest concern is uh, that Carmelo Anthony come to this team knowing that his role is not going to be even what he thought it was going to be in Oklahoma City last year. That you know, it was very, very disconcerting his exit interview uh, with the Thunder when they were asking. You know, the, uh, the subject came up. Maybe it was just from a reporter about him possibly having a bench role next season for the Thunder, and he kind of scoffed at that. Um, that was very disconcerting because I think um, if, if we're bringing this team back, P.J. Tucker damn well better be the starting power forward. Well, I will say if he gets waived, I mean, he's got his money. And, and as far as his career, he, he's going to have to resurrect it somehow. I mean, he's going to have to change his reputation. You know, again, maybe it can't be changed. Maybe it can't be saved. But I think Houston presents an opportunity for him to uh, – succeed and I, I i don't know i'm to play alongside a good friend of his and chris paul i just think this is where he would go i we'll see how that how well, that you, plays you talk, out you talk about him going to uh play with a good friend of his he very well could also join his buddy lebron that's wherever true. lebron lands whether that's with the lakers or if he stays in cleveland for whatever reason you know he, he could also go there and if it's if it's the lakers i mean that the, the spotlight of la um, might suit him pretty nicely too. So it's not a foregone conclusion if he's on the open market and willing to sign for the minimum that it would definitely be with Houston. 
But you have to think we'd be one of the prime contenders for him. Absolutely true. And see that as well. Uh, you know, speaking of Westbrook, what did you think about the uh, Rockets adding, well, to their summer league team? They didn't add him to a contract, but uh, Duke's uh, freshman point guard, uh, Trayvon Duvall, who, uh, you know, came out of high school last year as the sixth ranked prospect overall, the top rated point guard, a guy who kind of reminds you of a Westbrook in that he's very fast, he's fairly athletic, um, you know, attacks the basket, can't shoot. Um, but he just really didn't impress that much as a, as a freshman at Duke, and he certainly dropped. He, he went undrafted, which is really, I think, a bit of a surprise to a lot of people. Uh, Rockets add him to a summer league team. Anyone can sign him. I mean, it kind of reminds you of uh, you know Jeremy Lin. I believe Dallas had him on their summer league team, and Golden State snatched him up. I don't know if he's going to you know get any interest, but the Rockets will be showcasing him at, in Vegas. Yeah, I, I kind of feel bad for Duvall because. It's kind of, you know, he's this year's poster child for why um, people might not want the argument against the one-and-done rule. Because if he were allowed to become a professional in his sport out of high school, he would be making multiple millions right now instead of hoping he can catch on with some team maybe for a non-guaranteed minimum contract. So I do feel bad for the kid. Like you said, he did not have the... Um, success as a freshman individually that that I think he would have liked. And he didn't necessarily show improve, much improvement to his game, and he's kind of being ushered out now as the next wave of Duke recruits come in. Um, but it, it, you know, I'm personally not a, a really high on him as the player he is today. But talk about a, a lottery ticket worth buying. I mean, if he puts it together and he impresses in the summer league, the Rockets are going to get to work with him for several weeks. Uh, their, their coaching and player development staff get an inside look at him. And if he impresses enough, if he's worth the, a training camp invite, uh, you, the Vipers would have the inside track on him and have his G League rights. Um, you know, yes, anything could, could snatch him up, but you might have a, um, you know, maybe you get kind of an informal uh, first offer type of deal. And for someone with that level of talent, it, it, that's only positive thing. Yeah, it's nice to have some prospects with a little bit of uh, potential and intrigue, right? I mean, I don't know if uh, we are still looking at Onuwaku and and Joe Chi and, and Hartenstein. I know it's way too early. I know, I know. But it just hasn't uh, really brought out that uh, these guys are really going to step it up. So you got some fresh blood to look at. Uh, I think Summerlee is going to be fun to watch, and, and, and we'll see how that plays out. But it's free agency coming up, David. It's really not it's not around the corner. We got the first the LeBron date, which is June 29th, I believe, is the date for him to opt in. Um, we'll see how once that comes and goes, you can kind of make that official as far as LeBron, uh, you know, the Houston possibility being out the window. Um, but we'll see that date, and then uh, July 1 is free agency, and this when the Rockets and, and Daryl Morey are really gonna probably be on the clock to start improving this team. Absolutely, they got a a few more days to in the. 2017-18 uh, league year to to handle their business uh, under their current cap situation if they want to use their remaining 3.6 million in cash to 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 do something else and you know if they want to dump a smaller contract like Onuwaku and pay someone to take them off their hands something like that they they have a few days left to use that money before they lose it uh, and then July 1 it all starts over and uh, uh, we get to see Daryl and the crew go to work under a new set of circumstances. 
Absolutely. We'll see what Daryl and Gerson and the, and the, the executives have in mind. And uh, David, thanks for doing this, and uh, we'll do it again soon. All right, go Rockets.